Please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we will continue our study in the book of 2 Timothy. Today highlighting the wisdom of Scripture. So before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help with the text as we come to it. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we recognize it as truthful, as totally inerrant, infallible, um, able to teach, able to correct, able to lead us to righteousness. And so, Lord, we lay our sins at your feet. Lord, we pray that you would help us with the sins that we know about convict our hearts of the sins that we don't, that we might follow you more closely, that we might follow your word, that we might know more about you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with us this morning, your church, as we come to your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so after reading through the text this week, it made me think of ways that, because the text talks about wisdom, and it made me talk think about ways that people seek wisdom, and not, I mean, people meaning us too, the ways that we seek wisdom aside from the Word of God. Of course, I had to turn to the internet because this is the ultimate source of all wisdom, right? And so there's actually a page on the website WikiHow, if you're not familiar with WikiHow, it tells you how to do things appropriately. And so there's actually a, uh, one page that's on the idea of gaining wisdom, and it's called How to Gain Wisdom appropriately enough. Uh, There are some suggestions on how to gain wisdom, like trying new things and stepping out of your comfort zone and um, being open-minded, which is followed directly by enriching yourself with education, which I found kind of funny to have that paired together. Um, uh, Learning from common mistakes or thinking before you're acting, you know, things that we just normally consider to be normal things that people do. Uh, it ended with share your wisdom with others, which I thought was funny because all of the wisdom was kind of self-derived. Uh, there's a cartoon there of a dude uh, with a Superman cape on and an owl was kind of floating off of his shoulder. So apparently that he had achieved wisdom at that point and he was able to share with his with his friends. And uh, so the Internet has some ideas on this. Obviously, I don't encourage you to go to that, that site. It wasn't really worth my time. Uh, there are some other ways that you think of the culture putting out wisdom, like, uh, like some of the movie tropes that we're familiar with, like the guy climbing the tallest mountain, and there's some old guy at the top, and he knows wisdom, apparently. Or me- meditating for days until wisdom just kind of finally arrives. And you all of a sudden get something that you didn't get before. You know, that's a common movie idea. Whatever the case, one thing is clear, that the world sees wisdom as a thing to be admired and sought after. All the world does. Every person does. However, the places where the world searches are often found lacking. Of course, it looks to the culture, which we kind of talked about with that, that great Internet site, People encourage others to search within, right? It's, you know, kind of this uh, Disney wisdom mentality. Uh, yet they uh, wouldn't be searching if there was anything there, so it kind of doesn't really make sense. 
uh, gurus publish these books all the time on the basically the same thing, which all the books kind of come to one conclusion, trust your gut and you'll go far, you know, you that, that kind of mentality. Um, so what's the problem with the wisdom of world, wisdom of the world and the, the gut of man that we're supposed to trust in? It's fallen. It's broken. Because of sin, we cannot and should not trust our own wisdom. Even the most secular of philosophers, you know, this. think about this recent tragedy in, in Las Vegas. Even the most secular of philosophers recognize that man somehow, somewhere, has a screw loose. Yet, their continued solutions for this are the same. To search within, to believe in yourself, to be positive, yada, yada, yada. You get the idea. What man needs isn't something that has fallen, but something that inherently has wisdom because, or on its own, that doesn't find its wisdom in the source of man, in the fallen nature of man, but from outside of man. That's where the Word of God comes in. It is our absolute source of truth and wisdom, and it says, if it says it, it is the truth. It is wisdom. The scriptures are wise because the speaker of the scriptures, God, is wise. And he cannot be unwise. So in our text today, we're going to consider this idea that wisdom comes from the word and, it, and the places that we turn to other than the scriptures to find our wisdom. Uh, this is the reason that, in my mind, the church is dying in, in some parts of the world. In, in, in our own parts of the world is that the church has rejected the wisdom of God in Scripture and has taken up the wisdom of man in its place. And so I think this is very important for us to understand today. So we're going to consider this with two main ideas, the wisdom to be saved and the wisdom to be equipped. So look with me at Second Timothy chapter 3. I want to read starting at verse 10. I know you guys covered some of that last week. But I want to start with verse 10 and go through verse 17 just so we can get the full context of that. So please stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we read from 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. 
And so just as a quick review, I know you guys um, went through part of this text last week, and so I just quickly want to review going forward just so we can kind of capture the context, even some of the end of of the beginning there of chapter 3 and the end of chapter 2. Remember that at the beginning of 3, Paul is giving instructions to the church concerning folks who oppose the truth of God and oppose God in his giving of the truth and then how we should avoid those people. And then he contrasts Timothy with those kinds of people. Verse 10, he says, You, however, very strong words of contrast. How is Timothy different? And then he goes on to give this list of how he's different. He's followed his teaching, his conduct, aim in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness. He's even followed Paul in his persecutions and his sufferings. So he has followed Paul in all his life. And what is it then that sets Timothy apart from these others? How is it that Timothy is able to control the temptations of his life? And those, his own evil desires from within and live a godly life that separates him from the rest of the world and even from those in the church? Well, the answer is a question that eludes a lot of us too, right? We look to others and we think, I wish I had a spiritual life that looked like that. Or I wish I knew as much as he did or she did or whatever. I think a lot of times we do that. I was at Again, I was at Presbyterian this last Monday and Tuesday, and I'm always in awe of these older pastors who have been in the ministry for 25-plus years, some as many as 40-plus years, and they seem to be never shaken to me. There's nothing that can shake these men in my mind. They handle God's Word with such care and precision but yet with ease and with grace, kind of like you would think a, a skilled surgeon who has done hundreds of the same kinds of surgeries. It's still careful and precise, but it's, it's an easy thing. It's a, it's a graceful procedure. Yet, they go about their lives the same way, the same ease and this grace. And I know they struggle, and they have times of sin. They all do. We get that. Yet they have something that I don't always have and really only have on the best of my best days. And what separates us then? What separates me from those men that I see as like pillars of the faith? Well, their familiarity with the Word of God, the very wisdom of God for our salvation, for our work as His people in this world. And that brings us to the first point, the wisdom to be saved. The end of verse 13 there, if you'll look there with me, the end of verse 13 says that there will be evil people, imposters that will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The idea here is that their wisdom is derived from the world. Um, And remember, their truth is not only different from God's, but it is actually opposed to it actively, as we read there in the beginning of chapter 3. And so because of this, they are unable to give truth, and they are really unable to receive truth. They are being deceived as well as deceiving. And so in verse 14, then, he says, But as for you, again, Timothy has walked down another path, And he's walked down something different from these people. 
from his youth. And we're going to see that here. What does it say of him? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. This has been a pattern of Timothy's life, what he's continued to continue in, meaning that he's been doing that. What you have learned and have firmly believed, this is something that he has done. Knowing from whom you have learned it. Remember, we learned earlier that Timothy learned from his mother and grandmother, his family being faithful to pass down the truth to him, the most important thing they could have ever given him. Due to this, then, look at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He has been acquainted with these sacred writings from childhood. What are these sacred writings? Well, it's the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't around when Timothy was a child, even though he was younger than Paul and the other apostles. They still were writing these books while Timothy was in his um, later years. And so Timothy grew up on the words of the Old Testament. And notice how Paul qualifies the writings then of the Old Testament. This is important for us as New Testament believers, as those who see the New Testament and read the Gospels, and that's where we see something that they, the Old Testament believers, were unable to see. This is what he says about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. The Old Testament, which is about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Aaron, David, and Elijah, all of these characters. What are these writings able to do? They are able to lead us to faith in Jesus Christ. And so first, let's contrast that with the false teachings of the day. What were the false teachings of the day able to do? We'll look at chapter 2, verse 14, just real quickly. They were not, they were, it says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel with words, which does no good. It only ruins the hearers. What does the truth of that day do? It ruins the hearers. Look at verse 16. Avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people to more and more ungodliness. Verse 23 of chapter 2. What does the the truth of that day do? Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So they breed controversy in the church as well. Again, this verse tells us that the scriptures are able to make one wise for salvation. It's the opposite of this. And so what do we do with this? The scriptures then are able to make us wise for salvation, meaning it is through them that you hear about salvation, that you hear the plan of salvation, that God is the creator, he's holy, man is created, he's not, because he broke the laws and he's fallen. God promises to bring a savior, to deliver his people. Jesus is that savior. And every single bit of that can be found in the pages of the Old Testament. Remember in Luke chapter 4, you can turn there if you want, Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes from 
Isaiah chapter 61. And what does he say concerning that passage in Isaiah 61? He says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning that these words in in Isaiah 61 that I'm quoting to you all are about me. Luke, look with me at Luke 24. This is after Jesus' resurrection. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Luke 24, you have the resurrection, and then you have this encounter on the road to Emmaus where Jesus is walking with these people, and they're talking to him about all that's gone on as if he didn't know. Um, And look at verse 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them to them, In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What did Jesus do? He opened up Moses and all the prophets, and he showed those people words about himself in those scriptures. Look at verse 44 of that same chapter. This is with his disciples. What does he say to his disciples? Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Where are things written about Jesus, Moses, the prophets, the Psalms? Jesus is all over the Old Testament. When we finish the book of Titus, it's going to lead us right up to the beginning of the, the Christmas season. And my plan is for us to go through the minor prophet book of Joel. Why would I choose to go through Joel during the Christmas season? I'll have a hint for you. It's about Jesus. And the Christmas season is about Jesus. It is necessary, or is it necessary then, to have the scriptures in order to know Jesus? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians 1, verse 21. Is it necessary to know Jesus or to, to have the scriptures in order to know about Jesus? Why can't I learn about Jesus from, well, the internet, for instance? How to know Jesus on WikiHow? Well, First Corinthians 1, 21 says this, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, so notice the wisdom of the world does not know God, It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. We can't learn about salvation through the wisdom of the world. We must learn about it through the proclamation of God's word. Again in Romans 10. You don't have to turn there. Romans 10, 14. It says, how will they hear without a what? A preacher. It's not just me, folks. That's all of us. Verse 17, it says, faith comes through hearing, and hearing by the word of God, which is the wisdom of God. The word of God is absolutely necessary for knowledge and wisdom concerning Jesus Christ, and therefore concerning salvation. Without it, the world is lost. With it, there is hope. And so then, the question for us, 
How does this affect us? How should this change the way that we live? Well, first, brothers and sisters, for our own souls, we must know the scriptures. Why do those old pastors have such a peace about them as they're facing age and death and they see the curse all around them? Why do they have such a peace about them? Because they know the words of their God. Because they trust in the words of God. How can we have that kind of peace? We have to know the scriptures. It sets us right. What about the souls of others then? Well, we we preach the scriptures to them. Are we concerned about our family members? Are we concerned about our loved ones that don't know Jesus? All of that concern is a hill of beans if we're not giving them the word of God, which leads to salvation. You often hear things like, well, the scriptures aren't relevant today. We need to make them fresh and exciting. Well, if the scriptures aren't relevant for today, then nothing is, and there is no hope. The scriptures are absolutely relevant for today. There is nothing more relevant than the wisdom of God that leads to salvation. You want someone, you want to lead someone to Jesus, then tell them about Him. Show them about Him from the Word. Show them how He's changed your life. Bring the Word of God to bear on their souls, on their situations. No matter how how difficult life is, the Word of God speaks to that and is clear and provides comfort and hope for us. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to our very souls And so then we must trust the Lord's work will be accomplished in that. So we must preach the word, brothers and sisters. Secondly, God's word gives us wisdom to be equipped. So look there at verse 16. Paul describes scripture to us not only as a way that one can be wise for salvation or one can receive wisdom for salvation, but also for the work of ministry. Look at verse 16. All scripture... Is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. How is it able to do that? Think about it. How is the Scripture able to equip us for every good work? Well, it is the very breath of God. The word there is literally God breathed. They are his words. We'll talk about this in Sunday school soon, I hope, about the formation of the canons, specifically the New Testament canon. I hope to, to be able to do that. But, that the, but the word was written down and preserved. And here we have a completed version of God's revelation to the church right here in the text in the pages of our Bibles. Nothing should be added to it so that we don't need anyone's dreams or prophecies or feelings added to the words. Nothing should be taken away, so we don't need anyone's revisions or edits to the Scriptures. We have the full Word of God. They are literally the words of God, breathed out by God, handed down to the apostles and other faithful believers, that we might have these words with us today. Why do we need them? Well, the apostle tells us. They're profitable for teaching. Again, they're the words of life. What else then should we teach? 
reproof and correction. They are right, and when we disagree with them, we are wrong. I know that is simple to say and to hear, but think about that for a minute. All of our problems, all of our sin, all of our discontent and craziness is because we disagree with God's word. That's it. It's right, and when we disagree with it, we're not. Training in righteousness that we might know who God is and what he requires of us. To sum all this up, that, man, that every man and woman if of God might be complete, meaning completely equipped for every good work that we might do. The scriptures are fully capable of doing that. Want to know where to get tools for ministry, that you might be better at your ministry, whatever that is. God's Word. Want to know how to run a church? Read God's Word. Want to know how to raise your kids? Have a good marriage? Again, the Bible. Want to know how to gain wisdom for life? It is all right here. The words are plain, right? And all the searchings that man could ever come up with, how to live right and to do right, the Bible contains those instructions. Now, to remind us to simply call God's, like the Word of God, God's little instruction book, is a cheapening of it, particularly something that has infinite value. So we have to be careful with that. This is not simply an instruction book for our lives. Again, it makes us wise for salvation. It is required for the salvation of everyone. Can we find that instruction anywhere else? No. However, with that in view, the Scriptures are the only book that we need to teach us on how to worship God and then what he says and how we should live and what we should believe about him. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this concerning the, the word of God. It says, The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or traditions of men. We cannot and should not ever add anything to this, and we should only live by it. So the question then is, how should it change the way that we live? It's a really simple question. Do we want to serve the Lord? Do we want to believe what the Bible says about Him? Do we want to do as He instructs us? I mean, these are all simple questions, or should be for the believer, right? But we need to ask them ourselves. Do we want to serve the Lord? Well, if we do, what do we have to know? We have to know the Scriptures. Absolutely. Do we want to worship Him as we ought to worship Him? Do we want our marriages to be godly? Do we want our children to know Jesus? Then we have to know God's Word. This should be convicting to us. Why? Well, our own tendencies are we'd rather have this book that says ten ways to have a godly marriage, wouldn't we? Then we could just follow those ten steps and... Whew, 
You know, I'd rather go to a place that says eight important things to know about God. Well, if I know these eight things, those are important. Everything else is not. The Bible's hard. It's difficult. There's a lot there, and some of it is extremely hard. All right? And I understand that. We all should understand that. We get that. We'd rather have someone else do the work for us, right, as believers. We'd rather have someone else do the work and then just hope that they use Scripture rather than their own wisdom. And their own wisdom, which at best isn't perfect, at worst could be extremely harmful to us or the church. Not saying that books about marriage and books about worship and raising kids are bad because they're not and they're even helpful for us. And we should study these books and understand them. But when they replace the word of God and our search for wisdom and our search for truth, we'll get further and further off the tracks. Every time we look to one of those other than scriptures, we'll get further away from the truth. And the next thing you know... We'll have a Sunday school series on the personalities of the Hundred Acre Wood and Winnie the Pooh's friends rather than things that last for all eternity. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we cling to the scriptures. The word of God should be our only rule for our faith and our practice. And when it's not, it leads to absolute chaos and devastation. And we're going to talk more about that next week as we look at chapter 4. So in conclusion, there is a lot of wisdom out there in the world. Some of it's bad, some of it's good, and I think we understand that. Not all things are bad. But the only wisdom we can gain truth and where we get truth from is from the very mouth of God, breathed out for his people for all eternity, given to us for our salvation and for the equipping of us for every good work. This is his word. And so what will we do with it, brothers and sisters? Let's take the word first and foremost into our own homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our recreation. Let it season every single thing that we do. Let our relationships with others be seasoned with the scriptures so that they might see that the wisdom that we give isn't contrived, you know, it's some kind of Disney nonsense, but it's real truth. It's real truth. It will change your relationships. It will change the souls of those who are around you. Remember, the word of God is for their salvation, brothers and sisters. So make sure you are giving that in all your relationships. And so with that, again, the word is for salvation, for that of the believer For the unbeliever, for the believer, it's for our continued reminding to keep our eyes on Jesus. For the unbeliever, if that's you here today, call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. What does his word say concerning his name? That his name has power. It is the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. If you are here in unbelief this morning, call upon the name of Jesus and find salvation. Also, brothers and sisters, let us be equipped with the wisdom that God's word brings us for teaching, correction, for every good work that we would do. Let us trust in God to accomplish his work in a world that we don't often understand, 
in our own lives, which we sometimes don't understand, he will accomplish that work through the ministry of the word in our lives. And so then let us cling to that for wisdom. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, we are sorry because we often neglect your word for the wisdom of this world, which profits us nothing, which gains us only confusion, but yet we continue to do so. So Lord, we pray that you would direct our hearts, break our hearts if, if, you, if you must, that we might turn to you solely to your wisdom and understanding that we might see the truth, that we might see the value of truth not only for our own souls but the souls of those around us, and that we might be equipped for every good work. Lord, help us that we might go forward to see lives changed, people saved, and this community here, Murray, Kentucky, changed for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.